Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you, coming from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center inside the Raider facility as we're ready to go today. Uh, brought to you by PT's Taverns, an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights, a long-term partner here on this show. And what makes it better on a Friday, Thursday, Tuesday, Sunday than half price happy hour? Midnight to 2, 5 to 7 p.m. Do it big at every PT's Taverns as they are open and they want to host your fantasy football party and that's a big deal fantasy football teams are coming together do it at pt's taverns and have a good time have a good time and enjoy it and put together your fantasy teams take some pictures put it up on our social media over at pt's also pt's taverns and we'll have fun with that as we get set to go so here i am inside the raider facility today little backstory so came back from canton ohio and been to a bunch of things and today was my day to get covid tested Uh oh Well, you know, I've told you this story. If I've said it once, I've said it a few times. Whenever you get COVID tested and you haven't been COVID tested because the Raiders went to L.A. and the Raiders haven't practiced in a couple of days, there is a sense of angst. I don't care who you are, vaccinated or not. So I got to the building and I saw the regular members of the media who were here this morning getting tested. We got tested. Then I pulled out of the building, went to get a coffee, drove around. You know, I'm, I'm from deep Summerlin. I usually take my helicopter, but I drove out to deep Henderson today. And I went and got a coffee, and I just waited in my car for the result. Pretty confident that I think I was negative, hoping I was negative, but never sure because of the variant and what we're seeing with people who are tested and who have the vaccination and are still getting it. So I got the green light, negative, and I came back in the building. Went to practice inside and then came outside, watched a little bit of practice today, and then practice is still going on. I got up here in time for the show, and that's where we're at today. So clean, heading into Guns N' Roses, because that was interesting. If I wasn't, I got a big crew of guys coming in and friends, and wives are all going to Guns N' Roses. We got 11 people going to Guns N' Roses all over the place on Friday, and I would have hate to have sat this one out. So going into Guns N' Roses on Friday, we got a busy week of radio. Hey, we got Nate Hobbs today. How cool is that? Will Kiss told me, pulled me aside. So we're trying to get Nate Hobbs for you. He should be good in the 1 o'clock hour. Nate Hobbs has made the most noise for the Raiders, positive noise in the preseason. I threw that up on Twitter at JT the Brick. If there's a question you would like me to ask Nate, and I'll use your name on that, your Twitter handle, let me know, and we'll get one of those questions in during our interview at JT the Brick on Twitter, where I was busy last night. I was fighting out a bunch of trolls. A bunch of trolls were making a run at me last night. It's amazing. I don't bother anybody. Everybody who meets me loves me. Then I get a couple of trolls and a little packs of blog boys that are coming after me. Really? What'd I do to you? <laughs> really? Okay. Find me at the torch. Find me at the torch on the pregame show. Maybe one of these blog boys will make it on the pregame show with me and Eric Allen in years to come. Also, another big topic that we have today. The Raiders are playing in San Francisco, but not. They're not playing in San Francisco. 
They're playing in Santa Clara. They're playing the 49ers in Santa Clara. That really has no DNA or no pulse to the great 49er teams of the past. I love Candlestick Park. Uh, Last time I went to Candlestick Park, great story. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney played, I think it was the last ever event, ever, at Candlestick Park. And the cool part of the story was, I was up in San Francisco. I lived there for a few years. I know the town. A couple of my buddies went. And we got up there. I forget how we got up there. It was pre-Uber, I believe. So I think we took a taxi or we got dropped off. And then after the show, there was no way to get out of there. So I walked from, uh, from Candlestick Park through Hunter's Point. You ever do that walk? And it was a really cool walk because everybody who lived up there knew that there would never be a Niners game again. The Giants didn't play there anymore. There wouldn't be concerts, and they were all outside. It was kind of like Fourth of July. Everybody was celebrating and having a good time because they knew that neighborhood would never be the same again. And it hasn't been the same. I haven't been up there since. But my point was Candlestick was fun. The opportunities I got to see the 49ers play in that building with the Raiders was unique. I mean, come on, the 49ers with their five Super Bowls, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, all the great players that have played for that team. Some have played for both the Niners and the Raiders. And now they play in Santa Clara, which is really interesting because they blew it. They built a terrible stadium, terrible stadium they built because they didn't think it through. They put most of it in the blazing sun, and the 49er fans don't want to sit in those seats because you could literally boil in those seats early on in the season. And I didn't think that would be a big deal either. You know, I live in Vegas. It's pretty hot. I lived in San Diego, L.A. for 10 years. But they built that stadium in Santa Clara, and it's a disaster because it's not as modern as it should be for such a new stadium. They got too many seats that bake in the sun. Now, other than the 49er Hall of Fame that they have, which is brilliant, Bill Walsh's office, you know, tributes to Joe Montana. That's really cool. They did a nice job there. But they blew it going to Santa Clara. They blew it. They should have stayed in San Francisco. Look at San Francisco right now. And you can't afford to, you can't say this without being a little bit political, but San Francisco is a bleeping mess. It is in decay. Drugs, crime, tent cities, a mess. I love San Francisco, North Beach. I love the Fillmore, one of my favorite, if not favorite, concert hall out there. I love the Golden Gate Bridge. I love the beaches. I love the boat ride to Tiburon. How could I not like San Francisco? Put me on the map for radio. I really do. Got a lot of friends who still live in San Francisco. The city has gone to hell. It is an absolute dump in major portions of that city, which I fell in love with. I got engaged at the top of the Mark Hotel with my wife. I mean, my wife and I were dating when we got engaged up there. And then we lived there until my wife got pregnant with my first son. And then we moved back to Vegas to make sure we had everything in order. So my, my memories of San Francisco are fabulous. And the only point I'm saying is that the Niners moved to Santa Clara, and it sucks because the Niner fans, the faithful, they live in San Francisco, a metropolis city, in a stadium in the city. They put Pac Bell Park at the time. I don't even know what it is now. Oracle was AT&T, one of the best stadium experiences I've ever had. For baseball, oh my God, absolutely fantastic going to that baseball stadium. 
It's amazing that the A's couldn't copy the Giants and do the exact same thing on the waterfront in Oakland, but they're run by a bunch of knuckleheads in Dave Cavill, who is a three-card Monty dealer and has no idea what he's doing. And Mr. Fisher, the owner of the team, cries poverty. And the A's can't draw anything unless the Giants and the Yankees are in town. What a shame for those great fans. But back to the 49ers. 49ers could have stayed in San Francisco because they had all that real estate where the Warriors moved. Where the Warriors moved. At the dog patch. Forget about the Warriors. They would have found another spot in the city. You could have had the 49ers stadium right next to the baseball stadium with all of the condos and the bars and restaurants. And they went out to Santa Clara. And they destroyed the DNA of the Niners. I talk to my friends who are Niner fans. They hate going there. Now Vegas has built the shrine on the strip in Vegas, which is glorious. So, again, I'm taking a crack, not at the Niner organization, the team. They're very good. They have a much better roster, I believe, than the Raiders. They have a better team than the Raiders. They're a borderline Super Bowl team. But the Raiders will go play there this weekend. And I just wanted your opinion as we open up the show. Uh, yesterday we did who are the biggest Raider haters in the media and got a big stream on that. A lot of people were listening. So I wanted to back that up today. I don't know. It's like JT Guns N' Roses week. I'm a little bit off. Maybe the topic today is what do you think of the 49ers? 702-365-9200. What do you in the Raider Nation think of the 49ers? I'll go first. I think they're one of the greatest franchises in North American sports. From Bill Walsh to Joe Montana, Steve Young, Ronnie Lott. You know, you think of Jerry Rice, the 49ers. So I think they're a unique team. I cracked on the stadium pretty hard. Uh, The fans don't get along with a lot of Raider fans. Uh, Some Raider fans don't get along with 49er fans. I wanted your opinion on their stadium, their team, their ownership. Fans, obviously, what do you think of? I came up with the term, and someone was asking me about this the other day. I wanted to put this in to the monologue. A guy by the name of Raider Rob came up with Raider Nation. Not me, but it happened on my show, where Raider Rob was a brilliant caller, did a lot for my career. And Raider Rob came up with the term Raider Nation. He owns that. That's his term. He came up with that when I was living up there and my career started. And I came up to match that with Niner Empire. So I said, you got the Raider Nation, the Niner Empire, and it stuck. And we were talking about that all the time on the show. And then the Battle of the Bay was born on my show because they did a promotion on the Ticket 1050. Fact, not fiction. Battle of the Bay, Raiders versus the 49ers. We did a big live remote at Ricky's in San Leandro, and we would talk about that. I thought it was all in fun and, and a lot of fun there. I mentioned the other day, Uh, The last time I was in, I put out a picture 10 years ago when I went to Candlestick. It was a war zone. Getting out of there with George Atkinson. Fights like you wouldn't believe in the parking lot. Windows breaking. I mean real fights. And I'm walking in the parking lot with George Atkinson. He's one of the toughest Raiders of all time. We had our head down. And then looking up and seeing, getting the car and getting out of there. It was a war zone. And what did you think about the Niners moving from San Francisco? If you're a Niner fan listening in the Bay Area because we do a better job on the radio here, because we flow, man, and you're listening to us in the Bay Area, what do you think about the 49ers move to Santa Clara? So I think that's a big topic that could get some fun fans involved. 702-365-9200 as we open up the show. I don't like to wait 20 minutes for a phone call. 
I'm very passionate about that. I like the show to start when I start. One day, I'm going to come in and every phone line is going to be full at 11.59 and I'm going to quit. I told that to Bobby. I'm going to say, we accomplished what I dreamed of. I'm going to throw my headset down and never do radio again. But until then, I'll give you the phone number, 702-365-9200. Also today, we're going to give away a four-pack of tickets for the kickoff classic, September 4th, BYU versus Arizona, which will be a really good game. A lot of BYU fans coming to town. Short commute for Arizona fans, many who live in this region to go to that game, and you get another opportunity to get to Allegiant Stadium and see a game. So we're going to give away a four-pack a little bit later on. So here's what we're doing today. John Gruden's press conference, I believe, is at 1230. We're going to take it in its entirety, maybe on a delay of about four or five minutes because we have Andre Bad Moon Risen. Andre Risen, former Raider wide receiver for a very short period of time, five-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion. Scored the first touchdown in a Super Bowl for the Packers. He's got a great career, up and down, I'm interested in interviewing him. I don't know what he's been doing as of late, but it'll be a lot of fun to talk to him. So we got Andre Risen. We're going to go into the John Gruden press conference and Nate Hobbs. And we're going to take a question uh, from you on Nate Hobbs at JT the Brick. Hit me up on Twitter and we'll get that going. Eddie Pascal from the Raiders digital team is going to come in and talk about my new podcast that I'm doing within the organization. I'm really proud of this working with this team and all the opportunities they give me to emcee the ribbon cutting. I'm doing a private event with John Gruden for season ticket holders on August 30th. Uh, The TV show with John Gruden that I'm a part of again this year. And the excitement of this new podcast, Once a Raider, Always a Raider. It's eight parts. The first four episodes are on the life and career of Tom Flores. And it's almost in the can. And we got some really good interviews on his life. And we'll be interviewing Coach to put a bow on it. And then I moved to four episodes of Charles Woodson, including the final podcast with Charles. So it's eight episodes. And when they pitched me on it and asked me to do it, I was really excited because I've been doing podcasts for the Raiders for years. And the podcasts are mostly my interviews and what I do during the week and the opponent or whatever. But what happens in a podcast is if you don't listen to it the week of the podcast, all podcasts go to die. Right, Unless you're listening to a crime drama or Joe Rogan in an interview, most podcasts, I don't care how good they are, you go up and you put a podcast up there, and if you don't listen to it in the first 48 hours, it's gone. People don't go back. But what I love about this project is this will live on forever. So Raider fans, years from now, will be able to go on the Raiders Podcasting Network and click on Once a Raider, Always a Raider, and hear a four-part discussion about Charles Woodson's life and career. And I love that idea because it'll have a shelf life, which I'm pretty proud to be a part of. So that's the monologue. If you want to get through uh, practice today, I didn't see much. We were doing a bunch up here, but saw a lot of special teams work. Henry Ruggs III taking back punts. Uh, Derek Carr working on another field with Renfro. It seems like Nathan Peterman got most of the snaps today, a little bit with Marcus Mariota. And the Raiders are cutting the roster. They just cut it down to 80 And I think this is going to be interesting today, what John Gruden says about Javin White, the linebacker who's hurt, and Nicholas Morrow, because the Raiders are really thin in their linebacker room. And clearly, clearly, K.J. Wright is the answer, but he's holding out for more money. You see, guys like K.J. Wright will hold out for more money if they think they can get it. 
Richard Sherman would hold out for more money. And what happens is a lot of veterans are keeping themselves in shape as we speak because there's going to be a massive injury or an important injury. And and a guy like K.J. Wright, a team will be desperate and they'll overpay him to come. The Raiders haven't done that yet. And I don't know what the market is for K.J. Wright. I don't know what he wants. But the Raiders only have a couple of million in cap room. And there's other teams that aren't able to do the deal too. So I would hope that he would come in because I'd be pretty confident that he could step into Gus Bradley's system and make a play or two and be a really good Raider if he stayed in shape and he's ready to go. Uh, Same thing with Gerald McCoy. You know, Gerald McCoy comes in competing for time on the defensive line, and I'm hoping that he looks to be in great shape. And the question is, how many reps is he going to get on that defensive line, especially the interior that has more depth, I believe. The Raiders' defensive line, I can't believe I'm about to say this, has more depth than the linebacker core or the secondary. So with all that combined, it's go time. After this week, Guns and Roses, final Raider preseason game, by the way, will be at M Resort Casino and Spa right there for the pre- and post-game Sunday morning. So if you want to come down for breakfast and watch the pregame show, please do. We'll be inside and outside the Raiders Tavern. And then we get a nice break. I mean, there is a big break between the last preseason game, which is the third instead of the fourth, until the Raiders play the last game of week one, which is Monday Night Football. So I gave you a lot I put out there. Let's react to it. 702-365-9200. Ruben in Vegas, start us off. How are you, Ruben? Good, JT. Good. Um, just really quick on that Niner thing you were talking about. It's funny how Niner fans would talk all kinds of smack about us when we were in Oakland. But I would tell them, i go, damn, but Oakland's closer to Santa Clara than it is San Francisco to Santa Clara. Well, I don't know why they're all hating on us for. <laughs> well, you know, Santa Clara, I really think, was a big mistake. I mean, Santa Clara, hindsight... Uh, just like you no, know, there's been some big mistakes in the last 20 years when it comes to stadium. The Giants and the Jets built a terrible stadium at life that's already outdated. And the Niners, because they did it a little bit cheaper, I know the construction and the deal and what they spent, they did it a little bit cheaper up there in Santa Clara that it doesn't look like a state-of-the-art stadium, and it's pretty new. If the Niners could get a do-over, they wouldn't build that exact replica and they wouldn't build it in Santa Clara. They'd bring it closer to San Francisco. Yeah, and I've also heard that the city of Santa Clara has issues with them where they can't have concerts at night and all that. We're in Vegas. We can do that 24-7. So we all good on that. Yeah, when the Stones, when the Rolling Stones say they're never going to play Santa Clara again because of the early stoppage of the shows. What the hell are they doing in Santa Clara where they're worried about stopping the Rolling Stones at 11 o'clock at night? I tell you, man, that's, I'm not political, but that's why I moved from California to Nevada, man. Like, we got more freedom to get things done here. Have a good day, JT. All right, have a good day. You know, people are moving to Nevada. Used to be because it was cheaper. You know, it was a lot cheaper to move here back in the day. Now you take a look at it now, it's getting a little bit more expensive. But if you want to buy a house, if you want to get out of California. Again, I lived in California for 20 years, and I had the best time of my life there. I am, but... I love it out here in Nevada. The favorite place I ever lived is in Vegas. I love the lifestyle. I love the weather. Yeah, it gets hot days like today. It's really hot, but I like it because it doesn't rain. We don't have June gloom. We have hot weather, which is good. I like it. And then the rest of the year, it's like living in paradise. The weather is incredible year-round, and there's a lot to do here. But a lot of people don't get that because they don't live in Vegas. They think People have actually asked me to my face, where do I live on the Strip? 
I say, wow, like I own a condo at the Palms, but I don't live in it. I, own, I, I live in my home. And people think that some people, and there are a few people that live on the Strip, but most of us live here in the beautiful suburbs. 702-365-9200. Dennis in Vegas on 920. Hello, Dennis. Hello. I'm originally from Oklahoma. Excuse me. And then I went to Oakland, California. And in 1949, I was rooting for the 49ers when we didn't have TV. I was splitting two on the radio. And Y.A. Tittle and mm-hmm. McElhaney and uh, Joe the Jet and R.C. Owens and Alley Oop. Alley Oop Owens. I met him and got his autograph. And really? what a gentleman uh, Alley Oop Owens is. One of the all-time greats. And Gino Marchetti. And how about Bob St. Clair? One of my oh, favorites yeah. while he was around. There was, Bob St. Clair was a legend. <laughs> I loved everything about him. <laughs> and then the Raiders came. And I was watching, listening and watching this uh the snake, uh, mm-hmm. Dabler, and a ghost, and uh, they became uh, interesting to watch them, even though the 49ers were my team. Yeah, well, wh- where do you stand now? Are you a Niner fan or a Raider fan? Oh, you know, since 1949, i got to be, uh, I'm a 49er fan, but I do uh, listen and watch the Raiders. <laughs> okay. You know, I know there's a lot of loyalty. Appreciate the call up in the Bay Area. You know, when the Raiders came in in 1960, you look at the history of the 49ers. You know, I know there's a lot of Raider fans who respect the 49ers and vice versa. But there's also an element of the Raider Nation and the Niner Empire that doesn't get along. I mean, they're hardcore. you got to separate them. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a group of Raider Nation that wants to throw down with the Niner Empire. And we don't support any type of violence on this show, especially with fans at sporting events. But it was getting chippy there at the end between the Raiders and the 49ers, especially up north in the Bay Area. That's what I say now. It was getting chippy. Niner fans wanted no part of Raider Nation taking over their preseason games or whatever it was. And Raider Nation, I've been in the black hole and I've been in the in the tailgates in the parking lot. You know, that was, that was an interesting... Interesting combination when you saw Niner fans getting off a bark to go to a Raider game. I think everybody should welcome everybody to their building. But wink, wink, you know what I'm talking about. Brad's in Stockton, California. This is Raider Nation Radio. Hello, Brad. Hey, JT. How are you? I'm doing well. I I live up here, and uh, I'm a a loyal Raiders fan, originally from Long Island, believe it or not. And uh, there are plenty of Niner fans out here in the – friends I have who are Niner fans, the biggest complaint is the getting to the stadium. The mm-hmm. If you drive the parking, uh, the heat, like you said, if your seat is in the hot area. So they miss going for the mass transit from the other location, and everything about this location is a pain in the you-know-what coming, at least from here. Well, well and, and also, hold on, it's a pain in the ass to get to a Warrior game. Even if you yeah. live in San Francisco, how do you, how you got to get there? I know Giant yes. fans know how to get to the baseball stadium pretty quickly, and you got to extend out on Muni to get there. But yes. you nailed it when it comes to when it comes to going to a Forty Nine er game. The traffic issues, and Vegas is going to have horrible. some traffic issues. We we got yes. traffic issues. We're on the fifteen. People are trying to figure mm-hmm. out that happens yep. at times. But have you ever met a Niner fan that is proud of that stadium or loves that stadium? No, and no. I see them quite. I, I, do, I see them quite often in my local market, and you know you could you know you could. You know, tell that they they don't enjoy really going. They'll try to sell their tickets. They'll go when it's 
you know, either a little bit cooler out or maybe not as, you know, not as big of a pain to get there for if they have uh, a train or a bus that'll take you at certain points. But otherwise, it's a pain. And for the other end, for Raider fans that I see up here, uh, the cost of now going to Allegiant Stadium, I live right by Stockton Airport, which is Allegiant's uh, airport. I mean, they are, they're the only airport airline that flies and it's direct flights from Stockton to Vegas every day, all day, seven days a week. And the cost alone is mm-hmm. prohibitive for most sure. local Raider fans. Uh, it, you know what they're getting, even just for the preseason tickets and yeah. any, any, any stub hub that's for mm-hmm. in season is out of control. I know, I mean, and, and and my I friend want to go so bad, and I yeah. want my wife to experience. Yeah. We lived in Henderson for ten years, and okay. to know that you have that stadium is is unbelievable. And compared to what you pay for the Knights games, mm-hmm. most most fans, local or not, it's an expensive, sure. it's an expensive proposition. Yep. And you didn't fly there, you didn't eat there, you didn't st- go online and look to see how much it costs. To We're not apologizing. Hey, my you, friend. No, you need the money. We you need, know, you need the yeah. tax money. <laughs> you need let, the room yeah. fee. So. Got to come from somewhere. Let me Uh, jump in again. I got to jump in and we're we're coming to the bottom of the hour. Again, everybody knows how expensive a Golden Knight ticket is. Everybody knows how expensive a Raider ticket is. It's life. That's what it costs. That's what the secondary market is. Every ticket sold. Raider Nation is global and it's Vegas. Plenty of seats available in Oakland. Not many in Vegas and you're going to have to pay big money to get in. And in years to now, will that change? We'll see. But it's not going to change anytime soon. This is a palace. This stadium was built as a palace to the global Raider Nation. Nothing against SoFi. I talked to two guys today down at practice. What'd you think? They said it was, oh my God, it's unbelievable. It's huge. But it's generic. What do you mean? It's generic. You walk around and there's nothing on the walls and it's a little bit of Ram stuff here, nothing Chargers. You're fortunate enough to get into a Legion Stadium. Like Guns N' Roses is going to walk out of Allegiant Stadium. Not saying Allegiant Stadium, they're going to say the Raiders. Because everything they do in their dressing room, everything they see when they do their warm-up is Raiders. From the torch to the silver and black to the white. That was the vision of Mark Davis. If we're going to leave and build the Raiders a home, build them a global home. And that's what it is. That's why I love this stadium. Are there a couple of quirks they're trying to get through? Hell yeah. Hell yeah they're trying to get through it. So all I can do on the radio is say, go early. Talking to my wife about that this morning. (laughs) We got a bunch of friends coming in from Guns N' Roses. We're going to pregame at the Cosmo where my friends are staying. And she's like, well, how are we getting to the concert? I go, we'll figure it out. We lived here 20 years. We'll take a cab to the Hacienda Bridge. Oh, we walking? (laughs) Yeah. It's going to the second hottest day in in the history of Vegas on that date is 108. It's going to be 107 the night of Guns N' Roses. Walking over that Hacienda Bridge. Now, guys don't care. Gals that have makeup and heels. I get it. You you walk. That's why you grab a couple of waters or you do what I do. You have a bunch of Modellos and you pop them as you're going over the bridge. I drink Modellos when I go to Guns N' Roses. Got to fuel up and stay hydrated. If you're going to the concert on Friday, let me know too. It'll be fun. Be good to get a beer with you at the uh, big center bar at the Torch. 
Andre Risen's going to join us. Looking forward to this conversation and then the John Gruden press conference, Raider Nation Radio. Perkins takes a snap, looks to the right, floats one incomplete. Raiders lead it 17-16. They're going to win it. This JT the Brick Legends moment is brought to you by M Resort, the official team headquarters hotel of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT back with you. We're waiting on Andre Risen. Looking forward to talking to him. Also Nate Hobbs. Sometime at the top of the hour, the Raiders changed their practice schedule. They were practicing real early at 7.30 in the morning. Now they're practicing in this window right here that I think will be good for us, especially right now because we'll be able to get a couple of interviews with players after practice, which was always the goal being on from noon to 2. So I am excited about that going forward. We got about another few days after the Niner game to get into Baltimore and go balls out on Baltimore. Baltimore is interesting to me because they've won 19 preseason games in a row. And they've been a very good franchise for a long time. And they have an MVP young quarterback in Lamar Jackson. But they suffered injuries to their wide receiver core. And their, their ones haven't been on the field much or even practicing. So I think the Raiders were going to have a big advantage. I thought so going up against Baltimore from a roster perspective until we had Raider injuries. Most important one to Nicholas Morrow. And the Raiders are really close to the vest on that injury. I mean, no one's talking. So I think we're going to find out today from John Gruden when he gives an update on that injury and what's going to happen. But the Raiders now working out linebackers, looking to build depth in the linebacker room. You know, I feel for Mike Mayock and John Gruden. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, my God, how did they not have more linebackers? What's the problem with the linebackers? They went out and got linebackers. They brought in Corey Littleton. Littleton is supposed to step up and play at a Pro Bowl level. He's not supposed to be good. They brought him in from the Rams to be great in the absolute prime of his career. And if you saw some of the plays he made with the Los Angeles Rams, now everybody will go back to Aaron Donald. He played with Aaron Donald, and Aaron Donald provided a double team. He did. And then that opened it up for the linebackers behind him, Sam or Mike linebackers, to go make plays, and that happened. And Littleton played at a very high level. Well, Gus Bradley's got to find the secret sauce with him again and find out what could happen there. Nicholas Morrow is a player that's better than I thought. I did not think Nicholas Morrow or Javin White at UNLV, nice players, but I didn't think they could be groomed into really good players. Now, Morrow's better than White, but both of them could be lost here. I don't know for how long. Tanner Muse was drafted out of Clemson on a national championship team to come in. Safety with safety linebacker principles. So what does that say about Tanner Muse? He's fast, he can cover, and he can go sideline to sideline. Well, now we have to see. We have to see if he's able to do that. And then the other two are Nick Witkowski, who was special teams, came in in specialty packages for the Bears with Khalil Mack and a pretty good defensive line in Chicago as we saw when we studied him in that London game. And Kwiatkowski's been banged up the whole time he's been a Raider. They got to keep him healthy so he can play free 
and play with reckless abandon. And then finally, Divine Diablo, who again, when I was at practice today, I didn't see much of him, but we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. Eddie Pascal will join us. If Divine Diablo, who's a rookie and you can't expect much, and he's trying to come through an injury, and it looks like, as Vinny Bonsignor said, he's full bore, ready to go. What is his ability going to be if he steps up? What can he do? Well, he's a rookie. I'm not expecting much. What I think about the Raiders tackling is very significant here, what I'm about to say. Trayvon Mullen, obviously Merrig, the new safety that they have. Trayvon Merrig's got to be a great tackler in space. He's the last line of defense. And Jonathan Abram, to me, is very unique. The, the, the big tackles he makes are flash tackles. They show up. That's on NFL Network. Look at this guy's a heat-seeking missile. But will he be in a be- better position this year to go out and make plays? Like I'm, I'm trusting that Gus Bradley is going to have both these safeties lined up so they're not burned and exposed because they're very young. They don't have any experience. Abram has little to no experience in this league. Hurt. He gets burnt a lot in the past. So how much better is he going to play? He's not even playing in the preseason. And then Merrig is a good player, and we know that he's a ball hawk. Nate Hobbs is going to join us next hour. I think he could really be the X factor because Hobbs' ability to kind of peel off of his man and go get a go get a tackle, go make a tackle, we've seen that so far, and be a ball hawk and make an interception, that's really important to me. So with all of that combined, there are some guys here who tackle better. I think the defensive line is more athletic, so they'll make tackles at the line of scrimmage. When other guys were blowing by Jelly Ellis, these guys will make tackles and they'll trip up some guys. And then I'm hoping Littleton, if he could shed a block, can get behind the line of scrimmage and make big plays, especially on third down. I mean, Littleton's got to guard some of these tight ends and he's got to guard them big because the Raiders' weakness is the inability to guard the tight end. And unfortunately, the tight end in this league, Travis Kelsey, is arguably the best. So they got to go out and find a way to get him. Andre Risen, voicemail three times. Bobby, what would you have taken on the over-under on getting Andre Risen's voicemail? I, I would have taken over two and a half, and I would have won. You know, I mean, we tried to get him <laughs> once before, so I was a little dicey on this one, but yeah. I figured I'd give it a shot. Now they, all the alumni come on with me. I saw three of them today. Robert Gallery's in the building again. Man, is he a big man. Robert Gallery, he's in the building today, and uh, he's doing a lot here with the Raiders alumni department. 702-365-9200. The call to action today is to get you to comment on the Niners before the Battle of the Bay, the final preseason game. What are your opinions on the Niners as a franchise? their fans, and their stadium. Their stadium especially. Because Raider Nation, you got a better stadium than the Niners. You should take advantage of that in a much more fun city. I say that. Teams in California, would you like to go to a football game in Santa Clara and Inglewood? Would you like to come to Nevada and go to Vegas? I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go to these games at Allegiant Stadium. And also, we're about to announce what we're going to be doing on game day at Allegiant Stadium, which we're really excited about. 702-365-9200. Also scheduled to join us, Ben Lieber, former linebacker for the Vikings and the Chargers on the COVID situation that's happening around the league and the Minnesota Vikings. We'll talk to him coming up. He has a local radio show 
in Minneapolis, and he's been dealing with that story on a national level. We're brought to you by Five Iron Golf, where the golf leagues are waiting for you. Sign on up and go join a golf league. Bring, bring a couple of your buddies, sign up for a golf league, and go compete against other teams on their amazing golf simulators. You can play Pebble Beach. You can play all the British Open tracks. You can play Pinehurst Number 2. I played Torrey Pines last weekend, and I played with brand-new clubs. Man, played with brand-new clubs, the driver. Everything was so much better than what you typically play in this town. And the beauty of Five Iron that it's for everyone. It's a place for serious golfers or just a place to hang out and drink with your friends. Tell them JT sent you. And we got discounts for the simulators and the golf leagues. Five Iron Golf. When we come back, Ben Lieber or Andre Risen, if he checks in. Or how about your phone calls? Or I'll just talk to myself for two hours in the Raider facility. The money's good. The view's great. The sponsors are unbelievable. And we give you a voice today inside the Raider facility. Also, John Gruden's press conference, which they're telling me will be probably after 1 o'clock. And Nate Hobbs on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. JT, back with you. Perfect time to have you back on Raider Nation Radio. John Gruden is addressing the media. Let's go to it. Uh, they're both going to be out for a while. Um, looks like Morrow will be out a little bit longer than White. So uh, that's unfortunate. But uh, we'll have to continue to develop our young linebackers and perhaps find another. Are we talking regular season openers? Iffy at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to uh, announce any injuries until I have to, but obviously we're concerned about them being available. How much does that create an opportunity for Tanner Muse and, and Divine Diablo at this point? Well, that's 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 an understatement. Hopefully they, they rise to the occasion. People have done it before in this league, and Raiders have done that before, so we'll see what happens. Alleviate some of that concern, um, you know, in, in terms of having to maybe look outside the building. To... Yeah, yeah, we hope that uh, Nick Kwiatkowski's uh, ready to go next week, um, and we'll continue. We'll continue to look at the position in, in its entirety. John, we've heard you talked a lot about Leatherwood, Morig, and, and Hobbs as far as the 2021 draft class, but as a whole, and the rest of the guys, can you just maybe heading into the final preseason game, give your overall assessment, what you like, what you've seen from the guys. Well, it's it's our all of our young players last year's class and this year's class kind of combined. But you know, Alex is doing doing okay. I'm not going to be his agent up here every week. The film's out there. You know, you can evaluate it yourself. We like him. Um, you know, we think Mary's going to be fine. He's doing a good job. He's asserting himself. Um, got a lot to prove. Obviously, both those guys. And as far as the rest of the class, we think Gillespie's coming on as as a safety in this defense. Uh, we think Nate Hobbs has proven that he's got a chance to help our football team. Um, Diablo's just getting a chance to showcase what he can do. And we think Malcolm is, is a guy that's going to be a part of our rotation at some point. He's got some ability. But we're anxious to see Arnett. Uh, really anxious to see a second-year class as well. Uh, yesterday, um, I'm sure you think his dessert, Willie Branch, um, or excuse me, Cliff Branch got to be a finalist. Um, two, two part, I'm sure you think it's deserved, but two, have you ever uh, thought about what Cliff Branch would be in today's game? 
Well, you know, Cliff was, uh, and I'm glad you bring his name up. We sure miss him. God bless his family. He's, he was one of the, the brightest Raiders, brightest personalities I've ever met. But um, he was a threat. You know, I don't think Al Davis, I can't speak for John Madden or Flores or any of the guys that coached him, but um, I don't think you can measure his impact in catches and pro football-focused statistics. He was a threat to go all the way all the time. And if you didn't account for him, they were going to put a bomb on, his, uh, on you. <laughs> they were going to throw it. And if you did account for him, it was better for Casper. It was better for Mervin. It was better for everybody else. Fred will tell you that. So um, I think, you know, the fact that he was a great guy, a world champion, and a difference maker as a down-the-field receiver, it would be great to see him get in the Hall of Fame. One other current one. Um, what has Gus done in your mind? Because you know the tackle numbers last year in terms of missed. Did he come in specifically to obviously improve that? But what do you think he's done, and how easy is that to improve over the course of a year in terms of just tackling? Well, we got a lot of new tacklers too. So we got a new staff. We got a lot of new tackler candidates, and um, it's being emphasized as much or more than it ever has been in our drill work, in our meetings, and um, hopefully it shows in the game because we got some guys that are going to be really hard to tackle uh, coming right out of the chute. And um, I'm just going to continue to focus on the 49ers and try to finish the preseason uh, the best we can. Hey, John, how much uh, with, with um, Carl Joseph and Isaiah Johnson, how much of a concern is it the time they missed and what are their roles you think uh, going forward? Well, they, they missed a lot of time and somebody took their reps. And uh, we have to measure uh, everything as we make our final decisions on who's here and who's isn't. I, I, would, I would hope Isaiah and Carl can go out there and showcase what they can do in this game. Um, we're planning on that, and we're going to end up keeping the right 53. John, I know uh, Amik was making a you know, transition from outside corner to slot cornerback. Uh, he's gotten on the field quite a bit uh, preseason. How has he come along in terms of that transition and where he is on his roster? Pretty good. He's, uh, he's a guy last year we tried to make a nickel corner. And that's a hard position in this league, as you know, with all the jet sweeps. If that jet sweep starts on the right and jets to the left, there's a good chance you got to bump into the box and be a linebacker. And I think Amik looked at that a little bit, you know, differently when Incognito was blocking him in the box. Uh, but now as an outside corner, you see what he is. You see the, the skill set that he has. He's played better. He's got more confidence. Not that he can't be a nickel because he has worked in there. But he's uh, clearly at home on the outside. What have you seen from Max Crosby? He looks very fast and explosive out there. Yeah, he's wearing a mic today, so you'll be able to hear, you know, everything that, that he's about. And we got we got players wearing mics now. It's great. We're on hard knocks, so uh, you know, there's all kind of rumors out there about trades we were trying to make. Uh, we're a hot story here, you know. Max is doing great, though. To answer your question, he's he's. Um, like I say about Hobbs, he has this, this thing about him. It's just it's just fun to be around him. He likes coming to work. His car, he's got an orange Porsche. Who the hell has an orange Porsche? I pull in there, there's an orange Porsche. I know he's in there. I leave at night, orange Porsche is here. He's just uh, he's a weird guy. He's a fun guy. He's a hell of a football player, and thank God we got him. John, the rule changes, the points of emphasis this year, how noticeable, I guess, is it in the preseason? And in your experience, as it carries over to the regular season, what is that like? Well, you know, they called a taunting call, I think, on us last week. And also, that's a big point of emphasis. I think it's a good point of emphasis. Who needs that? Taunting. Um, it's okay, I guess, to have seven guys celebrating after an interception. Uh, I kind of see, see that as taunting, but... 
whatever the, the points of emphasis are, if you're a coach, you have to emphasize it with your team. We brought in the officials to hear the points of emphasis, and we try to coach to that. Obviously, the rule on the outside where the corners can't cut the pulling linemen, that's a, that's a completely different rule. Uh, we'll see how that's enforced. Um, so to your question, yeah, we, we listen carefully and try to absorb it and coach it. Coach, outside of Leatherwood, are there any other potential three-point stars that you want to see more of going against the 49ers? I, I can't say what Leatherwood's status is going to be yet either. We, uh, we're going to go play the 49ers, and we're going to look at the players that we think we have to look at to uh, make the proper evaluation. John, to piggyback on that, you've stressed since week one of training camp that not only picking the right 53, but coming away with 53 healthy bodies. Does it make it a little more difficult now that you're banged up as to who you're rotating in this weekend? Be a little more careful, critical. Well, you're forced, you know, into that when you lose two or three linebackers. You know, you don't want to play uh, Corey Littleton four quarters necessarily. You got to be smart. You know, you got to be realistic. I saw Jacksonville lost a great back the other night. You know, you have to um, do what you think you have to do to get your players ready to play. We've had good practices. We had two good scrimmages against the Rams. We realize we have two of the most physical teams on our schedule to start off with. So um, we're going to try to add up all the information and do what we think is best for every player and for this team. I know Tanner was, you know, obviously the strong side base linebacker. Has he shown uh, other tendencies that you feel? Well, like? he's had to. You know, he had to. All the linebackers got hurt. White went down. Darren Lees was out. Kwiatkowski was out. Morrow was out. Uh, second half, who's going in? Who's going inside? Diablo's out. Tanner went inside, and you give him credit. You know, he's playing Will, he's playing Otto, he's playing uh, two or three positions, and he's a very good special teams player. And he needs to play. He didn't play at all last year, and he hasn't really been a linebacker for more than six months. So this is good for him. Hopefully he gets another good experience against a great uh, offensive football team Sunday. It excites you about, uh, about Diablo. I think he's got athleticism and range. He has playing speed. Uh, he showed very good instinct, instincts at Virginia Tech at a couple different positions. So that combination is is exciting. We think he and Corey Littleton uh, will give us two really athletic young linebackers, and uh, we're hoping he can be a fast track. You know, he's going to have to learn quickly on the run because uh, they're not postponing any of our games or delaying the, the startups. John, historically, historically the preseason was four games, and the third game was always kind of the dress rehearsal for the regular season. With only three preseason games, how does that change? Everything has changed. I mean, the number of players, when we cut players, the whole thing has changed. It's not just the number of preseason games. We also have 17 regular season games. The bye weeks have changed. Uh, everything has changed. Nothing stays the same. And it's up to you, Paul. Is it getting better or worse? I'd love to see that piece. Did I get a quote from you, Jonathan? Huh? Did I get a quote from you? No, I have nothing to say. I just, you know, I sometimes I just marvel at how, how football has changed so much and what you, uh, what you had to do to train again. We're practicing at 7 a.m. to beat the heat. Nothing's the same for us. I mean, I don't know any team in the history of football that starts as early as we do. We had a scrimmage against the Rams at 9.30. Our guys were up ready to go in the lobby at 7. Uh, so nothing's, nothing's the same, and, and I'm sure it will continue to change, hopefully for the better. How does being thin at linebacker kind of increase the importance for the nickelback to kind of serve as a third linebacker when it comes to stopping the run? 
Well, the nickel's not going to be the linebacker. You might have a dime linebacker, a guy that's 215 or 20 pounds, perhaps uh, a Joseph or an Abram, a Gillespie, uh, a guy that can take on blocks, uh, shed blocks, and physically you know, take the pounding in there like T.J. Ward started this several years ago. And now a lot of teams use the extra safety as a dime linebacker. So that's something we're kicking around, and uh, we're going to – continue to look at our linebacker situation and do what we think is best for our team. Okay, guys, have a good day. All right, John Gruden. Wow, vintage Gruden. I mean, pay-per-view stuff. You got to pay to get. You got it there for free on Raider Nation Radio. When he said that Nicholas Morrow will be out longer than Javin White, my jaw just hit the ground. That's a big development. That's why you have a flagship, and the Raider Nation should call in on that. Raiders lean at linebacker. 702-365-9200. Also, Nate Hobbs scheduled to join us. Big hour coming up next. Be here for it.